0: And good morning, you are listening to Green Life Radio on 3CR. And this morning I'm very glad to say that we have a bunch of special guests from around Australia and and around our region in the world... Uh, we have got Bronte Nicole Scott, Socialist Alliance activist Hello. and <laughs> activist from Save SCA and LGBTI activist and just general staunch, class, oh. struggle, purveyor. Bless you. Uh, we also have uh, Merck Magodayo from the Partido Lacas Ng Masa, Party of the Labouring Masses.
1: In the Philippines. Uh, good morning. Uh, magandang umaga sa lahat mga kababayan dito na nakikinig.
0: And we've also got Shazni Bai from the Partido Socialist Malaysia, the PSM. Uh, welcome.
2: Hi, good morning. Uh, salam Perjuangan.
0: Good to uh, good to have you all here. So uh, I think today is going to be a bit of a free-flowing uh, discussion. I reckon that's how uh, it's going to work best. So we'll we'll jump from topic to topic, and uh, yeah, probably it's good just to acknowledge first off, as as we do every week, that 3CR is broadcasting to you from the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Uh, Sovereignty was never ceded, and we pay our respects to elders and custodians, past, present, and future. Uh, And yeah, it's pretty timely. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Um, Yeah, so... What did everyone think of the Invasion Day protest yesterday?
3: Mm, it was huge. wasn't the one in we went to in Sydney, um, I mean Melbourne, sorry, pardon me. Wasn't that like um, they were saying like 7,000 people or is it more they were saying? I'm pretty sure.
0: There's an article on Age that said 50,000. Yeah, 50, I, I
3: read that too. I was like, probably yeah. a little bit like, <laughs> uh,
0: um, what's the word? Mm, not optimistic Uh, (laughs) yeah probably I I don't think there was a quiet 50,000 there but
3: maybe next year we'll get 50,000 but it
0: was still a massive protest and I I think the article also said that there was more people there yesterday at the invasion day protest than there was at the official Patriotic rubbish, flag waving.
3: That's great. That's good.
0: I think that that did look true. Like as we were coming through in the march, there, there didn't seem to be that many people with Australian mm. flags.
3: Yeah, we were walking around earlier before the protest starts, just you know, getting a coffee or whatever. And the, the sizes I noticed compared to other years, you know, when you try desperately to avoid the Australia Day little marches that happen, um, it was there was no one there. You know, so it shows that people are really thinking about this issue and that a lot of people's minds have changed.
1: Yeah, uh, it's also a huge pride on my part because uh, I relate with the Aboriginal peoples of Australia because I'm also an indigenous uh, member of uh, Philippine society. And I also belong to a uh, tribe up north in uh, Luzon Island. So I'm also an indigenous person and. uh, it's it really is encouraging to see lots of people, Asian, white people, uh, people of from from the or uh, from Hispanic background that supports that support the uh, uh, rights and welfare of mm-hmm. Aboriginal peoples here in uh, Australia.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty diverse crowd uh, yeah. supporting yesterday.
1: Yeah.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: and what do you reckon, Uh
2: my first time ever, since this is the first time ever of being in Australia as well. And at first initially I planned just to sa- stand from distance and take some photos so I can bring back the story to my fellow comrades in Malaysia. But I didn't expect that I'm going to participate in it as well, holding the play cards and chanting uh, on the street. And yeah, it's an amazing experience to see what is happening here in Australia that people are getting more and more aware and conscious mm-hmm. about what has happened in ancient times, in the time of the, uh, the ancestors. It's not really about um, celebrating... Nat- of course, Australia as a nation is built on the blood, sweat and tears of the people, indigenous people. That has happened in uh, the other countries as well, like Malaysia, for example, and other uh, former British colonies, and uh, yeah it 's amazing because I w- would like to bring the the whole thing the the story back to Malaysia and tell my indigenous comrades there that because they are fighting currently fighting for their rights, Tell them that don 't be afraid go go ahead uh, with your struggle, you are not alone it's happening in australia it 's happening in the United States of America as well
0: hmm. yeah. Yeah, th- and um, it'd be interesting to um, hear from you uh, um, this morning as well about uh, indigenous struggle in Malaysia and some of the, some of the campaigns that are happening there.
2: Yeah, a few days ago, um, there's a place called Guamusang, Musang, um, which is a state of Kelantan. A few days ago, five of the indigenous activists um, and also two uh, reporters were detained for uh, the charge for, for those journalists they were charged with uh, encroachment into the forest area uh, reserve forest area and five indigenous activists were detained essentially to get them out of the way because the forest department the authority and also the timber logging company wants to uh, destroy the blockade that they has built for months They has been there um, erecting the blockades to to uh, to obstruct or mean to um, as a barrier against the logging timber timber logging companies. Yeah, Yeah. and it's the second time. The first time was last year, a few months ago actually. They built the blockade. And I still haven't got the chance to go there, but I have friends who went there from PSM, from environmental NGOs like Kuasa, which is uh, the NGO I'm v- uh, volunteering in, and some other leftist and anarchist friends who went there in solidarity. Uh, all of them uh, were quite surprised to see what happened, uh, meaning the blockade, because they were so self-organized. You know, like they have the blockades, they have huts here and there, mm-hmm. they have rosters on the wall, uh, on the whiteboard, who's who, uh, who has uh, got the duty to provide food, who has got the duty to, you know, for sentry. But the thing is, uh, I must say here that a lot of people, common people, uh, you know, nations are segregated by ethnic. This is what the British colony has passed. To the administration as a legacy, uh, divide and rule kind of thing: Indians, Chinese, Malays, you know, that kind of thing. And indigenous people uh, always brush down the rug, always get off from the bigger picture of the nation building. You know, mm. o- it's always uh, been said, even by the opposition politicians: Oh, Chinese, Indian, Malays, Chinese, Indian, Malays, whereas the indigenous people, yeah. Mm. So. And Malaysians, uh, a lot of Malaysians, I can see that, has this kind of mentality that uh, they were thinking that the indigenous people are second-class citizens, as if they're second-class citizen, less educated, less human to some extent, saying that, oh, they don't have the right, why should they claim that this is their land? They're, they're not going to claim that the whole Malaya or the whole Malaysia is theirs. You need to bow to them now. They're just claiming for their rights to wander uh, in the jungle to maintain their livelihood because they're very simple, simple people. They don't need cars, they don't need highways, they don't need the luxuries we are enjoying. They just need the forest for them so so that they can build a house, have their family there, hunt and gather whatever is in the jungle, do some small uh, sustainable farming, and use the water from the jungle. That's all. But we did they really appreciate and care for the nature they're the caretaker of the nature Hmm. but we on the other hand came to the land and you know alter or distort whatever is there the ecosystem according to our means according to our needs that's the other way around it's supposed to be we need to follow what the nature had nature sets you know Hmm. so
0: yeah yeah I remember when I visited um, uh, Manila in 2011 and I caught up with some activists there, and um, one of the um, local activists from um, the PLM, Rusty Delizo, yeah. he was telling me about um, forest cover in the Philippines. And I, if I remember correctly, he said 97% of of old or original forest cover. Was gone from the Philippines, yeah. and there was just a little bit remaining in, in some of the mountaintops, but most of it had been cleared, um, which was really quite shocking. Uh, yeah. In my mind, at least, Philippines was this really like pristine forest-covered archipelago of islands, but uh, that was really shocking. Yeah. That,
1: that is re- that uh, that became worse under uh, neoliberal policies because uh, uh, foreign uh, companies boosted their mm-hmm. uh, logging uh, activities, extraction, p- mainly extraction. And, and that's the number one problem among indigenous uh, and rural communities in the Philippines right now. And most of uh, mining investments come from Australia. Uh, I think it's 70% of mining investments come from this country. Yeah, yeah. And uh, these are large-scale mining companies which cover... Hundreds of hectares of uh, land, and uh, it result. It, it, it we we've seen the typhoon Haiyan in 2013. That's one of the result. Massive flooding, as well as uh, mm. uh the flooding in the Mindanao island, where most of there were lots of uh, indigenous tribes there. But uh, another problem arising from uh, mining, and uh, of course from the from neoliberal policies. Uh, is a militarization in the mountains, the militarization in uh, the indigenous communities. And uh, there are lots of killings, even under the previous president, lots of killings among indigenous peoples because uh, mining companies employ private armies, either private armies or the Philippine military to uh, dis- displace hmm. the communities from their uh, ancestral domain or from their ancestral land and uh, in return, if the land is clear, then they will build their mining sites there which destroys the ecosystem there
0: mm. Yeah, well it seems like a recurring story in, um, in Malaysia and yeah. the Philippines yeah. and here as well mm. of, um, Indigenous people getting pushed off their land Farmers getting uh, pushed off their land or having their land wrecked by mining, mm. hmm, and people fighting back as well.
3: Yeah, are you it's similar to here? Like, um, Ken, Uncle Ken Kenning was saying yesterday at the Sydney rally that mm-hmm. in 2015 they only had 300 people, and this year they had 7,000 people. So, are you seeing a growth of public yeah. support for Indigenous issues in both of your countries?
1: Yeah, yeah. in the Philippines, although the indigenous uh, uh, people movement is, of course, uh, divided (laughs) or fragmented into different uh, ideological tendencies, but uh, it has really gained uh, massive support, particularly from the youth, uh, from the urban youth, uh, because uh, indigenous culture in the Philippines has become really a fad. Uh, it's like a fashion statement among the youth uh, having uh tattoos <laughs> uh, fr- from uh, made by uh, indigenous tattoo artists is a unique experience in the philippines and uh, most or some of the mm-hmm. communities there are uh, tourist spots good for uh mountain climbing and uh, hiking and uh, they it 's like an alternative development of uh the uh, indigenous communities and so it gained support from the youth unlike during the 90s when I was in uh, grade school when I, I encountered racism uh, internal racism in the Philippines but now if I say that I'm indigenous they are like oh you're a cool person <laughs> you must be a cool person so it's, it has gained support among the urban youth mm-hmm. and uh, there were mass protests in the recently, the past months uh, Att- attended by uh, 5 to 10,000 uh, that's the usual uh, attendance um, in rallies that uh, fight for the rights of uh, indigenous peoples.
2: Hmm. Yeah, like in uh, Malaysia uh, from what i say actually we as uh, i mean being leftist, socialist, communist or whatever under comes the umbrella under the umbrella of leftist politics, especially particularly in Malaysia, we have a lot to learn from the indigenous people. It's not the other way around. Forget mm. for a while. We, we have to forget about all the labels: sociali- socialist, communist, anarchists, Leninist, uh, anarcho-syndicalism, whatever. Because in the indigenous fight is the new socialism. It's the future. Yeah? It has a lot to learn f- from them. Uh, and uh, but the the thing is speaking about indigenous people in the peninsula of malaysia they are uh, quite different from maybe some other parts of the world uh, because they were um, they have this attitude of being non-confrontational because ever since in the ancient times whenever other uh, more developed uh, more yeah more developed uh, with, uh, tribes with more technologies from the Malay Archipelago comes to the peninsula, move them uh, or evict them to the interior land. They don't fight, they don't confront uh, because they learn a lot from the nature. You, you do something to nature, to forest for example, they won't show the anger. Maybe tomorrow, no, you know, they t- they'll take time. But once they get angry, you can't say no, you can't say sorry. <laughs> That's hmm. it, you yeah? know that kind of thing so this is the moment that they can't take it anymore Okay, this Mm -hmm. is enough we're fighting for our children we're fighting for our grandchildren Uh, and I'm glad to see in Malaysia that a lot of youngsters are in solidarity with them uh, especially the the current generation um, regardless of their political background but at the same time uh, we also have uh, a bunch of um, apologies for the state government, but they are, they are more like keyboard warriors online. Uh, they just stir things around, accusing us, the youngsters who are in solidarity with the indigenous people, saying that, oh, you are against the Islamic government, because Kelantan uh, is under the administration of the Pan Islamic Party, uh, a, a political party that uh, has uh, Islam as the political their political ideology. What I want to stress here is that we are not against uh, any religion. I also have my own religion, no problem with that. Anybody can believe or profess what anything they, they want to, you know. Mm. But the thing is, we are really totally against people who manipulate religion for their own um, to profit making. Mm claiming that you, you shouldn't go against the state government. This is for the good of this, for the good of that development. But at the same time, Klangtan is suffering because they are, they are experiencing a flood here and there. They didn't see, uh, the, these uh, keyboard warriors didn't see that the flood that is happening is a result, consequence of what, as the 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 state government has done cutting down the timber logging uh, the, the timbers and all the forest see as simple as that nature is like a like a uh, organic machine you touch one button then something will happen that's mm. it it's mm. ju- just don't claim that oh this is because we have seen we have seen we did this, did this immoral thing we did that no, no such thing. we get against Islamic government. That's bullshit. <laughs> and I'm hoping that the support will grow. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, next month, this month or next month, we'll have a medical camp. We'll bring in uh, NGOs and volunteers, youth and many, all sorts of people from many diverse backgrounds to the village or indigenous people's village to provide them with uh, assistance, food aid, uh, medical assistance, and all sorts of stuff, and also to bring youth and uh, Malaysians to see the real thing there.
0: Yeah, nice.
2: Alright, so it's kind of like an activist sort of um, Cuban doctor's program. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, because there are a lot of indigenous people in the village, uh, They don't really have access to proper uh, medical, you know Mm. Like, uh, once I heard a story when I was uh, uh, It was three three years ago, I think That uh, an indigenous man told me Oh, uh, me and my my wife uh, When she was about to deliver the first uh, child They have to walk like a day to get to town yeah because no proper transportation no 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 uh, access to medical institution mm. but the irony is the funny thing is uh they only get a proper start road to the village if there's any project there let's say mm. timber logging yeah so if you go to if let's say any activist in Malaysia i, I always tell them if you go to any indigenous peoples village or rural areas, if you see proper route, meaning they have some profit-making there. That's mm. the thing.
0: Mm.
4: Mm.
0: Yeah, it seems uh, Seems this is another recurring theme is, um Indigenous people not having access to the same standard of health care as the rest of the population, because that's definitely the case yeah. here, here in Australia as mm. well. The quality of health care in, in remote Aboriginal communities in particular is just, uh, yeah, really... Uh, terrible. Um, okay, I'm going to play a, um announcement and then I want to get Spike on the line from the Homeless Persons Union because he's going to talk about a rally that's coming up on uh, Saturday. So, uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned. You're listening to 3CR. This is Green Radio. <laughs> Alrighty, so you're listening to 3CR uh, Greenleaf Radio. This is Zane, and we've also got Shazni, Merck, and Bronte in the studio and on the phone right now. We've got Spike um, from the Homeless Persons Union Victoria, and uh, yeah, welcome Spike.
5: Morning, guys. How you going? Pretty Morning. Good, pretty good.
0: Um, so could you um, could you tell us a bit? There's a, a rally coming up on Saturday uh, about the the Mayor of Melbourne trying to kick homeless people out of the CBD.
5: Um, yeah, the, the rallies in response to, well, as you said, the Mayor's uh, thought bubble, um, Graeme Ashton's uh, speeches to the public, basically, um, Brendan Noddle. I mean, we, we have a situation in this state where uh, there seems to be this cabal of, um space based organizations, a couple of the sector organizations um like launch and unfortunately the Council of homeless people um and the police are getting together and deciding what's good for people who are finding that they can't stay. For whatever reason, for whether they have health reasons or domestic violence or, you know, know, people that are homeless, it's a complex issue. For whatever reason, they can't stay where they're living. They've decided to stay somewhere that's safe, that's visible, that has access to toilets. Because another thing that we don't have in this state is access to public amenities. And so this is a safe place. We know that Mouth got stabbed in a place that wasn't well lit. Um, and it wasn 't visible to the public. these people have decided to stay somewhere where they're, where they're safe with other people and the mayor and the and the police commissioner have gone out and and spoken about them as if they were dirty, as if they needed to be cleaned up, as if the streets were somehow stained and that 's just unacceptable and we believe that as as a community and as you know people of conscience that it 's up to us. To challenge those those concepts and and that prevailing sort of you know uh, bias and condescending condescending attitude.
4: Hmm.
0: hmm. Yeah, it's oh, it's just disgusting. And and the, like the thing that really sticks out to me is that there's all these policies that result in people being homeless, like housing prices. Yeah. I, I got a friend on on social media and they were saying. Uh, this, this person has kids and they're saying we're trying to get a house and yep. we can't get a house unless we pay two months rent in advance plus that's bond. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in, in their case is like five grand and that's a pretty standard amount if you, everything's really expensive at the moment. And so you have really unaffordable housing, you have other issues that lead to homelessness, and then you have scumbags like the mayor. Mm-hmm. T- treating homelessness as like it's like it's a choice like people choose to be mm. uh homeless and going and get off our streets
5: that's you, 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 what you've pointed out is something that um what you yeah, clearly pointed out is something that it seems the public has a real difficulty uh grasping is that you know we have um, we've just had a royal commission into family violence Last year, there was two two women a week that were dying at the hands of of a partner, of, of an aggressive partner. You've just pointed out um, the the uh, the unaffordable housing, at the rates of unaffordable housing, and someone, I think it was Anglicare, did some sort of report in the last six months that pointed out that 0.8% of of houses on the private market. Are affordable to people on benefits, less than 1%. So we have this situation where the family is the biggest source of violence, is the biggest place where there's violence. Uh, Houses are unaffordable. Where do they, where do these people believe the children of these families or members of these families that can't afford housing or are living in unstable conditions, where are they supposed to go? Where are they going to move them to? I mean, mm. it's, it's 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 like we we know these facts and we separate them. It's like we can't join the dots and say, Well, hang on. There's violence in the home. Housing's unaffordable. Wh- Homelessness is a natural manifestation of these things. Mm. And 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 it seems like for these highfalutin people that they just don't understand it. Mm.
0: Would you gonna say something? Why
3: well, I just like what you said before that I've noticed when talking to people about the issue of homelessness and talking to people about the issue of the declining number of women becoming increasingly homeless yep. because fleeing domestic violence that right. uh, people's line and often thought of it is that oh well homelessness is a choice oh, God. and it's such a baffling thing to me because I think how how is homelessness a choice? Who wants to be homeless? No one. And it's it's the system we live under that forces people to become homeless, and it's stunning to me that people can't see that. That how anyone would choose an unsafe, you know, sleeping on the streets, and how anyone would think that moving homeless people to unsafe areas of the city is is it's a choice that they've made. It, it it stuns me. I just I can't understand it.
5: What, what, one choice that they have, mate, is it, is this and. Uh, this is another threat that's been made that, uh, because he's, he prevaricates, uh, Brendan Boyle or not, uh, what's his... uh, the mayor of, uh, 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 shit, I've forgotten his name, um, think, Doyle, think... Doyle. He, he, he's, he changed it from, he changed his position from, we're gonna make, they're gonna change the bylaws to, to make ruts leaping illegal, which is, it's basically, you know, cr- it's, it's, it's sort of like a Soviet, well, homelessness doesn't exist because everyone that's homeless is in jail. Mm. Um, to, <laughs> to, um, if you refuse to accept support from support services, that, that you'll be moved on. Now, as someone, you know, I work part-time in community services. There's no way in the bloody world you can work with someone with a sanction of prison or moving them on over their head. It makes it impossible for that to even be considered mm. by someone who, who claims to have an understanding of... I mean, he was going to be Premier almost at one stage, that nut. It, it, it's, 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 it's beyond belief. And so, you know, and what they were offered was a rooming house or crisis account. Again, faith-based organisations who pay no tax mm. They're subsidised by our tax dollars, and these people that are living at Flinders Street also pay tax. They pay GST on every time they buy cigarettes, bread, everything that's processed, people pay tax on. So their taxpayers are being moved on by faith-based organisations who pay no bloody tax Mm. and then are forced to pay $230 a week to live in crisis come where they're sharing a toilet, shower and a kitchen with 18 other people or that, that they feel unsafe around. They don't know who they're living with. Mm. And, and and unfortunately, we have a situation in this state where the, the, the supposed fourth estate won't do its job. And, and when they describe the offers, they won't describe what these offers are. No one, anyone that's lived in a rooming house or crisis or and to be honest with you, I have, um, through my experience, you would not wish it on your... You would not live there mm. unless... You know, you were really, really um, in dire straits, and you, and you had absolutely no one. I mean, at least these people have each other, and um, and if you've gone down there, you'll see that they've got a little. They've got a little plaque that says family. They feel safe together. And that's something that they have is community. They feel safe together. They, they treat each other quite well, actually. Unfortunately, there's undercover police there, which is another issue that really rankles you know, when we went down there to speak to him, we noticed there was this guy with uh, Bermuda shorts and three hundred dollars sunglasses. <laughs> it just happened to be sitting at the bus stop, and he just kept staring at us as we were doing interviewing interviews with these guys. And I sort of, I pointed out, you know, who is this person? They go, look, just ignore him. Two days later, in the newspaper, they know, and a couple of them admitted that they did have somewhere else to go, but they didn't feel safe there, mm. and that was in the paper. And so we've invested in spying on vulnerable, disadvantaged young people.
0: (laughs) Hmm. To try and get some dirt or something that will justify (laughs) our our war on the poor.
5: Exactly, exactly.
0: That's grubby. And uh, on the front of the um, leaflet for the protest on Saturday, it says over 80,000 vacant homes. That's right. In, uh, is that in, in Melbourne or in Victoria
5: That's as in I'll? Victoria, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: yeah.
5: But they're not all public. Some are private, but that's, that's a fact. That's something that we've, uh, you know, concocted. That's a fact, yeah. The Water Board's been able to um, gauge that from the use of from people's water meters, they can tell if a house has been used and there's 80,000 empty properties. Mm. There were 303 empty properties from the east-west link. From, that's why we were there at Bendigo Street, to mm. try and highlight that. If, and at the last street count, there was 247 people sleeping rough in the city. If they were fair income about housing people in public housing, because all those properties were bought with public money, they could have housed them in, in two or three months. Mm. Mm. They do not want to house people. They just want to shove them into crisis to come to fill the coffers of these faith-based churches or whatever the bloody hell they are. Or, you know, these, these rooming house cowboys that are completely unregulated um, that are charging, you know, up to $200 a week you know, to you know, cockroach-infested rooms mm. where no one feels safe, and you know, and again, I, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat myself. It's just the media just doesn't do its job, and it's become the mouthpiece for the fucking ruling class. Mm. Um, you know, cabal on Spring Street and and at South Bank down there, and, and and people think it's not the age. Well, the age. I mean, let's face it, the newspapers aren't going to tell stories that undermine the political economy of the state that feeds their bank balance. Hmm. And that's what's happening. They're not telling the truth. They're, 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 you know, what they concentrate on is the individual who's homeless. Well, it's not just happening to one person. It's happening to 25 it's actually, someone was saying that that's probably a third. It's probably about 75,000 homeless people in this state. And there's systemic issues that lead to that. It's not just one-off. Mm. And so, you know, unfortunately we don't have... The media won't do its bloody job. And so it's up to the public to come together. Hopefully on Saturday at 2 o'clock, people from the public who, who, who won't accept being lied to constantly and... Will not accept the vilification of disadvantaged people. Will come and speak up, and because t- this isn't just a HPU thing, this is about us as a community coming together and putting pressure on the, on the Melbourne City Council and saying, "Hang on, you, you don't speak for us. You, you, you're you're speaking for vested interests. Hmm. You know, you, you're not speaking for the public of." You know the Melbourne City Council. Uh, sorry, the City of Melbourne. You're speaking for the retailers. You're speaking for the two people. Mm. The, the City of Melbourne belongs to the people of Melbourne, and so I'm hoping that people will come and and articulate their feelings to, on, on this issue.
0: Mm. And who have you got? Uh, who have you got speaking there?
5: Well, um. be a very question. Is it going to be a, bit, a, bit, of a, to be a look, bit of an
0: open mic sort yeah, of Yeah, It will, singing it as will well? be
5: an open mic. Um, yeah, cool. Look, we've tried to get particular people, um, and I shouldn't mention their names because. Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, you no know, that's. True. You know, yeah. it's not fair. Um, but, uh, look, people have had to turn down the offer because of their jobs, which is. I mean, it's like we're living in a police state that if they speak out, they can. You know, they're oh, lose yeah, yeah. their seat at the table when these discussions are had. you know people that are actually quite well intentioned but uh, you know again, this comes back to people trying to keep their jobs and, and people that are homeless don't have jobs and it gets back and, and begging thing is also something that we need to discuss. Uh, making begging illegal. Uh, you know, these are people that uh, a lot of homeless people don't have friends that have jobs that they can borrow money off. Mm. They don't have people. You know, most people that work or you know, or in the sort of normy sort of life can say, mate, can you spot me a hundred bucks till next week or ten bucks till next payday? Or they can even go to the bank, or they can go to cash converters or pawnbrokers and because they've got a wage they can borrow money. Mm. So we have a situation where there's certain people in, in the business sector that can that can uh, profit from people's unfortunate circumstances. But if you're homeless and you ask someone for two dollars or you know, you put your hat out for two dollars, that's somehow a crime. And so these are these are the things that we need to talk about and, and step back the, the, this principle of whether begging is a good or a bad thing mm. You know, it's, it's happening all the time You know, pawnbrokers, cash converters Banks, loan money, all the fucking time Why shouldn't the public be able to help another member of the public? Mm. And so these, these are things that we need to discuss, I think
0: For real Alright, well, um, yeah So uh, everyone get along uh, Saturday 28th, um, this tomorrow At Melbourne Town Hall at 2pm that's um, right, mate. Thanks heaps for uh, talking to us, Spike. And, uh, oh, thanks yeah. for
5: giving me some time, man. I hope I haven't chewed your ear off.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. no, it was great.
3: <laughs> Thank you. So, thanks very much.
0: Yeah, good to see. Uh, hopefully okay. there's a real uh, solid turnout tomorrow. So, yes, uh, Spike there from the Homeless Persons Union, uh, Victoria. Um, yeah, who's the HPUV organising this rally that's happening at 2, two o'clock tomorrow at uh, Melbourne Town Hall to... Oppose the um, draconian measures of the mayor of Melbourne who's trying to criminalise homelessness and, yeah, kick people off the streets and put them in jail instead, presumably. It's outrageous.
2: It's uh, pretty much uh, the same in Malaysia. Because yeah. once, I, once I met a guy under the bridge and was, yeah, we, I was talking to him and told me his uh, experience... Uh, he was just released from the lockup because he was detained by the authority because he has no job he has no place to go so instead of begging he prefers to just uh, look after the parking spot of cars coming to shop around that area so asking for like one ringgit, one buck uh, so he'll look after the cars so, the authority detained him for that, saying that, oh, you d- you are not allowed to do this, you didn't have the permit for this mm-hmm. parking thing. So, he was detained like two weeks, I think, which is equivalent to being detained if you possess any substance or narcotic substance with you. And was released. After he was released, he went back to the place he's staying, under the bridge, and he found that all his stuff were gone. So, yeah, it comes to my mind at that time, the 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 authorities treating homeless people, vagrants, uh, the same as treat they, they are treating criminals. And yeah, we should decriminalize, decriminalize homelessness. It's not going to fix a problem. Homelessness is due to what uh, our friend said just now. It is a manifestation of the problem of the urban, of the uh, property price rising up.
1: Hmm. Uh, can I also say something about homelessness yeah, in the Philippines course. because this is a recent development in the Philippines uh, the Miss Universe pageant is, uh, will, be he- will be held there and the candidates all of the candidates are currently in the Philippines and the gover- what the government did is to bring the homeless people uh, near the event place of the Miss Universe in a shelter government shelters Just to make it appear to the candidates, the uh, international candidates, that there are no homeless people in the Philippines. Mm. So it's really, you know, hypocrisy on the part of the Philippine government to hide or to provide shelter to the homeless during a an international event in the Philippines, but after the Miss Universe pageant they will all be brought back again to the streets. (laughs) Mm. Because, of course, there are really really no facilities for homeless people in the Philippines. They are just being used only for uh, the purposes of uh, hiding the fact that there are thousands, tens of thousands of homeless people in Manila alone. So this is uh, hypocrisy Mm. Uh, and uh, to make it appear that the Philippines uh, has no homeless people.
0: And what's this policy in the Philippines? Uh, when, when I was there in 2011, Rusty told me about this, this sort of bipartisan, um, the, is it a compulsory appropriation bill? Uh, the Philippines pays massive uh, repayments on debt, on debt every yeah. year. So money that could be going to um, public housing or public transport or any range of public servicing, education, health. Uh, and, and what percentage of the Philippines' like, annual tax proportion goes to these debts?
1: A third of our national budget go to <laughs> debt survey. That's a third, one third, 33%. And this is a law, unless if Congress, which, is, which is in your case is Parliament, unless Parliament uh, repeals that law, then uh, it is uh, a mandatory allocation or appropriation for debt. So, uh, yeah, we are obliged to pay debt with that kind of amount unless if Congress will uh, remove that law, which there are no indications that Congress will do that. Mm-hmm. We've been lobbying for it for decades, but uh, they're not doing anything of it, uh, about it. And this is the legacy of the uh, post-Revolution, post-Edsa Revolution regime. The president who succeeded Marcos, the dictator Marcos, uh, Cory Aquino, uh, uh, recognized or legitimized the ill-gotten or the illegitimate debts of the previous administration by uh, creating that law, we, which we call automatic appropriation law.
0: Oh. Hmm. Hmm. So these debts date back to the Marcos regime?
1: Yeah. These are debts used for uh, numerous white elephants, as particularly the nuclear plant in the province of Bataan, which is uh, west of Manila. There's a huge uh, nuclear plant that has never been operational. And it took uh, 30 years for it to be paid. Billions of pesos paid for the debt that was needed was for a non-operational <laughs> nuclear plant. Was
2: it, was it meant for energy purpose?
1: It's a white, it, it cannot be used, it cannot be operational because it's located in a uh, tectonic area, mm. an earthquake prone area. <laughs> and it was built with, you know, there's, we, we can't, we, there's nothing there, in there. There's nothing in there. So obviously it was used to embezzle funds from debt, ah. to pocket <laughs> the debt that was incurred mm. because of that, uh, you know, that empty project. And that was recognized. By the Aquino government and the succeeding government, and there was no law whatsoever that was uh, and uh legislated to stop uh those uh paying those illegitimate debts. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, It's that's another recurring story. It's, uh, it's kind of like the uh, disappointment of the Syriza government in Greece, where they had an opportunity to refuse to pay the debt but eventually buckled under the immense pressure to, mm. like, that would be the the other part of the story, is there would be immense pressure on the Aquino regime to um, vacillate and give in yeah. and uh, agree to inherit the, those Marcos debts. But yeah. uh,
1: That's what we get when the workers are not in power and the ruling class just uh, replace uh, another faction of the ruling class. Mm. Yeah. You are listening to Green Left Radio on the Friday Morning Breakfast Show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio 855 AM digital and streaming live on 3CR.org.au. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Green Left Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au. Or call 1 800 634 206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues.
0: Okie dokie, you're listening to Grand F Radio on 3CR. And um, what do you reckon? Should we have some, uh, should we break this up with a bit of uh, music? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I haven't had my breakfast, so yeah' uh-huh. breakfast for today Yeah an <laughs> <Some laughs> empty
3: stomach blues Breakfast for the
0: soul mm. Breakfast right. for the soul Alright <laughs> uh, I might just move If you're Mark
2: So many mics on me <laughs> Alright Here's a Song It's actually uh, Okay Disclaimer I own not th- No part of this song It's actually Originally from Indonesia It's a uh, but I always sing it uh, for protests or for any political events And it's called Darah Juang yeah. Literally meaning uh, struggle blood It's about uh, people, marginalized people you know, This land is so wealthy, why are we suffering? That kind of thing And I'm seeking for blessing from the mother of mother nature Or mother as a... Uh, you know, uh blessing to to be in the struggle okay
0: If you've just mm-hmm. turned in, uh, this is 3CR and you're listening to Shazni Bai from the PSM, the Socialist Party of Malaysia, yeah. playing some uh, protest tunes. And that one you just heard was an uh, Indonesian one. Yeah. Uh,
2: it's called Darajwang, literally means uh, struggle blood. Yeah.
0: Struggle blood?
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like, uh, the chorus is more like. Uh, Asking for blessing from Mother Nature, Mother Nation, please bless our blood for for just sp- for us to spill our blood for the struggle, and that kind of thing. And uh, been playing this. Uh, the thing is, I I'm willing to play this song here because you guys never heard of it. <laughs> if it's in Malaysia, they say, ah, we want another song. <laughs> we <laughs> we need new songs, please. buy so yeah, I'm uh, in the middle of. uh finishing my own uh songs oh yeah wow. but it's yeah I, I just need to you know f- uh, polish it off yeah make it uh listenable
3: <laughs> can we get you back home when you finish your own song yeah that's <laughs> the thing
2: i i learned from capitalists on marketing you know if i present to you the whole thing so you won't need me anymore next time. <laughs> so by saying I'm publishing new songs after this, you guys will be, okay, we'll need buy back here again. So that's the thing.
0: Word. <laughs> <laughs> so well, uh, yes. Nepotism and uh, product placement on uh, 3CR here. Um, <laughs> 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 keep, keep an eye out for the new uh, album yeah. coming up from <laughs> Shazni yeah. So Can I get your autograph?
1: <laughs> Possibly a
0: world tour. <laughs> oh. Uh what else is new? That uh that horrible um orange haired person got sworn in the other day.
3: Did you hear what he's just done? He's just this like he's just signed which, like I think it was a couple of hours ago only, signed something that states um and the the, the heading of the article I read that said, Hitler also did like also did this during his regime, and um, Trump's just signed something that will put out a weekly, um, almost like calendar or bulletin, I don't know, something fucked up of um, crimes that immigrants have committed. So like a weekly thing, stating all the crimes that uh, as illegal immigrants in the U.S. have committed. Um, I I was just like,
2: <laughs> sorry, Jane, you mean orange? Hit guy. Donald Trump. Ah, the Fired guy. Yeah. Fired, yeah. <laughs> From the apprenticeship. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: That's. It's just a new level of desperately trying to criminalise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, we know that a bunch of Trump's media team are like actual neo Nazis. Mm-hmm. So, uh, maybe that's where he got the idea for, uh, a, uh, a Hitler esque policy that profiles, uh, you know, typically brown-skinned people from uh, from elsewhere. Scary other people from outside of mm. the USA.
1: And that's that will really affect uh, uh, tens of thousands of Filipinos mm-hmm. because most or there are tens of thousands, scores of Filipinos were undocumented uh, aliens in uh, America and. Uh, I, I am also expecting to see an increase of uh, undocumented Filipino women who will force themselves into marrying American men just to get the green card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, hmm. that's been happening for decades and I might see a, a spike in number of Filipino women who really need to secure their jobs to force themselves into marrying American men. And that, that really is a uh, huge issue among women. In mm. the Philippines, and mm. they could not get the relationship that they really needed or they really want. So uh, it's 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 the humanizing uh, the women, mm. yeah, especially yeah. migrant women. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: So they 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 weren't in the states uh, to work. Migrant yeah, workers? yeah. Ah, okay.
1: Because we are a uh, the closest ally of the United States in the world. We're the we're the closest ally of the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Some Malaysians even say that the, the Philippines is like um, the embassy for the United States of America in Southeast Asia. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. We're like the 51st state. <laughs> 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 there All are right. Fili- <laughs> Filipinos who, who have that illusion. Okay. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> hmm.
3: it's, it's just, you know, in the criminalizing abortion and it's... It's this right-wing idea that oh, once you criminalize abortion, abortion. Or, mm. or you um, kick out people trying to get into the U.S., it'll stop now, it just makes all these things unsafe for people. You know, women are still going to give themselves abortions and still get yeah. abortions, mm. but it will be unsafe. Mm. Um, and women have the right to safe abortions, and, and people trying to flee to the U.S., flee poverty, mm. will still go to the U.S., but will use unsafe and unsafe routes to do that. So all it does is just, it doesn't stop these things. It just puts people's lives in danger. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Disturbing times. With uh, Donald Trump running the um, world's biggest imperialist military angry power. Um, <laughs> yeah, all right. All um, right. I reckon it's about time for some uh, activist calendar. Coming up uh, this Saturday, there's unfortunately a clash. There's two competing activist events. Mm. Uh, Rod Quantock himself is going to be giving a speech, which uh, back on 28th of January 1917, charismatic Bishop Daniel Mannix, for the first time, publicly criticised World War One as a trade war. In a historic speech at St Ambrose Hall, come to the centenary reenactment of the speech by noted actor Rod Quantock. So that's this Saturday, the 28th of January, 2 p.m. till 3:30, and it's at St Ambrose Hall, 3 Dawson Street, Brunswick. All welcome. Organised by the Brunswick Coburg Anti-Conscription Commemoration Campaign. Uh, now. As we heard before when we were talking to Spike, there's also the protests against criminalising homelessness, a community speak-out. Uh, again, that's this Saturday, the 28th of January, at 2pm at Melbourne Town Hall. Uh, what bylaw will the Mayor introduce to address homelessness in the CVD? What do you think is needed to address homelessness? Have your say. Organised by the Homeless Persons Union Victoria, and you can check out the Homeless Persons Union uh, and find the event for that on Facebook. So, uh, yes. And then on Tuesday next week, there's the Dignity Not Debt and Centrelink Debt Debacle. And that's happening at the State Library. And uh, I think it's happening at the State Library. I've printed out something which doesn't have that. And I've got a bunch of posters at my house. I'm pretty sure it's at at the State Library. (laughs) Uh, So that's Tuesday, 31st of January, 12.30 till 2pm. And the demands are abolish the debt recovery scheme, dignity for social security recipients, restore adequate funding to Centrelink, and lift payments above the poverty line. Alright, so, um,
2: Arkham, we can have another song. Yeah, yeah sure. Okay, yeah. uh, here's a song. Oh. oh okay. Wait, we need to put all the mics on <laughs> <here. laughs> You're putting the spotlight on me. <laughs> okay, here's another song uh, originally from a folk rock, Malaysian folk rock band by, by the name Kembara. And uh, the title is "Senandung Buruh which means uh, the serenade of the manual laborers. Skyscraping scrapping buildings in the city and look at those buildings and look at me I'm doused in sweat and i'm proud to be to be part of the civilization that uh, the pride of the nation those buildings uh, i i i uh, you know, spill sweat and tears uh, for for the development of the nation yeah, yeah no worries. yeah From the voice, uh, from the point of view of uh, being the manual labourer. Yeah, Yeah, okay. There's a there's some song from the 80s.
0: This um Mm. this this uh, falsetto 80s song is
4: We built this city. Yeah, yeah, I know that. This city (laughs) on rock and roll.
0: (laughs) Yeah. that's I'll the closest we've up. got to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect description of that. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay. I fucking cool. love that song.
3: Yeah. It's great. It's a good song.
0: Um, alright, so... um. <laughs> the... um. Bronte, <laughs> tell us a bit about what is coming up for the Rainbow Revolution this oh. year.
3: Ah. Well... We're gonna we're gonna smash the state and <laughs> oh, okay. um no that's great. <laughs> Well we've got Mardi Gras coming up in March. I'm uh, not really that too active on um, the LGBT front at the moment, been focusing all my energy and saving a little art school called SCA. Um, but yeah, so we've had the plebiscite that's just been kind of murdered and finally um, you know, shut down and you know, there's just it's trying to get that momentum up again that there was around the plebiscite to try and get that conversation going mm. about gay marriage again in Australia because really it's, it's just getting a bit ridiculous now. It's getting quite laughable that <laughs> we've had so many bills and discussions about this in Parliament that mm. still we don't have gay marriage in Australia mm. and it's been going on for years and avoiding tactics are being used all the time to push us down Um, By both parties, by Labour and Liberal, um, and, you know, Labour keeps putting out these bills, which just pretty much, you know, it's like fanning hot air and, you know, it's nothing really, there's no, you know, there should be just a vote put on it, and it should just be decided, Members of Parliament, it's their job to vote on this the human rights issue, it was like with the plebiscite, they were trying to have plebiscite on it, but you can't actually have plebiscite on human rights issues it's against our constitution um, so yeah, it's it's just seeing how long parliament will constantly use these avoiding tactics instead of actually you know I think they should just come out and be like well we're homophobic and we hate gay people so we don't want gay marriage and that's the whole reason mm. you know there's just all this bullshit about oh, blah, 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 blah. the reason is they're homophobic they don't want to vote on this um, they don't want to out themselves as homophobes that's why they want a private vote um, yeah <laughs> that's that's my rant for the morning I haven't had a coffee <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm no, just forever <laughs> an angry lesbian <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs>
0: Um. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. Yeah. What's the actual? What's the state of the uh, LGBTIQ movement in Philippines and uh, Malaysia?
1: Well, we've had this uh, popular movie recently in the Philippines. It's entitled Die Beautiful. It, it talks about the. It's an international movie uh made in the Philippines it has been presented before at uh, the Tokyo Film Festival and it won the best the uh, lead actor there who portrays the, a uh, transsexual woman uh, won the best actor award mm-hmm. in the, at the Tokyo Film Festival and he also won the best actor award in the Manila Film Festival as well as the most uh, like the viewer's choice award in that same festival and uh it talks about the plight of uh, a a uh, born male but he she became a transsexual woman and how uh, she was raped when she was in high school hmm. because uh, she has this crush on a basketball player a handsome basketball player and how the b- basketball player gang raped uh or facilitated the gang rape of her and uh she even she that LGBT feel not only discrimination, but they also feel that they're, they're, they're also humans. And they uh, don't want to get offended, not just through discrimination, but through sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it uh, broke the stereotype of uh, the LGBT in the Philippines. And it's, they're getting more and more acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we're uh, recently a a remote island in the Philippines called Dinagat. It's a remote island south of Manila. They also have passed an anti-discrimination ordinance in their island. So, it's progressing. Uh, The LGBT movement is progressing in the Philippines. and uh, Because there are lots of LGBTs there. Mm. And... uh, this, here's the thing about the LGBT movement, or the LGBTs in the Philippines, they are more accepted among working class communities oh. than mm. among the middle class. That's the middle class in the Philippines are, or the middle class is homophobic, but the working class, they, they flaunt their sexuality freely mm. in uh, the poor and working class communities. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And is it
0: true that in the Philippines, like before colonization, uh, gender was less of a sort of binary. There's men and there's women. Yeah, is yeah. It true that in
1: highly patriarchal. Uh, even until now, it's especially our president is really mis- a misogynist pig. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry for the word, but uh, it's real. Uh, she she he just uh, commended Donald Trump not because Donald Trump won the presidency, but because Donald Trump has a sexy wife. Shit. Actually for having a sexy wife and he's envious of Trump that he also wished to have a sexy wife as <laughs> well like Melania so it's mis- misogyny and uh, <laughs> the patriarchy is currently being reinforced again in the Philippines mm-hmm. but uh, the women and the LGBTIQ movement are fighting back mm-hmm. and uh, there's hope in the younger generation and in the working class because uh, LGBT is more accepted in the wor- uh, among working class and among the we call millennial generation mm. and uh, society is progressing in that respect the thing is that we just have to you know to ha- for the working class to get the state <laughs> that's what's missing yeah because yeah. the the, uh, the situation is fertile for a uh, social revolution for Definitely. W- for change for real change mm. it's just that the workers the working class just have to realize that power in their hands Mm.
3: do you do you find that like you know you were saying with the younger generation and maybe the high school generation that there's more acceptance because I like you know Comparing when I went to high school and I came out at fourteen in high school to comparing my brother 's experience in high school it 's the, the the drift is massively different. The homophobia I faced in high school was extreme, but compared to his school it 's just like oh if you 're trans that 's cool if you're gay that 's cool it 's really it's, it's, it's only but it 's only a short period of time that the, you know people have changed and progressed so much it 's really it 's hopeful.
1: Before I became a socialist, I'm really a homophobic person. Before mm. I became a socialist, and that was during my high school days. I was one of those homophobic pigs back then, and we really ridiculed gay men in particular. Uh, but times have changed. As a socialist, I've learned to embrace humanity, uh, all our uh, what what's really in our hearts. And if you comment, if you just have... Uh, issue homophobic slurs even on social media and really get uh roasted in the Philippines That's great uh, so uh the discourse is there and it's it's really getting progress people have changed their views uh the f- former homophobic friends are now lgbt supporters mm-hmm. and uh i also marched with the in the pride march uh-huh. uh, straight men supporting the lgbt's we usually <laughs> uh w- have that banner and i've uh once cross-dressed before <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> to show support and solidarity to the lgbtq right.
3: you should come to mardi gras with us
1: yeah on sunday i'm looking looking forward for that
2: <laughs> mm. yeah right and we're well in uh, malaysia yeah rainbow is the new race <laughs> no just, just something oh, cool. different
1: in malaysia right mm.
2: <laughs> yeah and, uh, i come from a uh, ipo a small hometown where youth particularly Uh, Us who are engaged with uh, subculture, counterculture kind of thing, like you know, going to gigs and playing in indie rock bands, uh, we share the same neighborhood, same uh, area, uh, because there's uh, one place we always hang out, always have tea, coffee, and hang out in this uh, studio, uh, which is the pioneer of the indie rock scene in Ipoh. And the area, uh, we also share. The, the 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 space with uh, a lot of transgender sex workers there, so even though yeah some I can't say that all of the youth there are very progressive, but at least they, they have this understanding that oh you know they're, they're transgenders they they have been that way you know you, there's no way you can change them you know like mm. no mm-hmm. no point it's, it's in contrast with the uh, those who think that it is Their religion uh, Religious obligation To propagate Being straight and getting those Who are LGBT people uh, To back to the To the right path So called right path you know? Because uh, apart from the authority We also have uh, authority as in police you know. Mm-hmm. We also have The religious department The so called uh, Moral police and we also have Laws to uh, to make it illegal for men or women, as, uh, especially men, to cross dress. If let's say I'm wearing a uh, uh, women's dress and go out on the street, I can get arrested. Yeah, and uh, a lot of transgenders were uh, being threatened by the authority, the police, you know. Mm. Uh, even if they have if they are having their function privately in a hotel uh, hall or somewhere, the religious department did uh, a raid on that event. You know, claiming this, this is wrong, this is illegal. And uh, but it's all, it's good. It's a good thing to see. Uh, there are a number of people uh, consists of lawyers and also mm-hmm. activists uh, helping them out. Yeah. Uh, I have friends who. Uh, I'm still Personally Still at a stage Of learning About all of this uh, Gender spectrum Gender roles pa- pa- Patriarchy You know Very basic things uh, And Because uh, Before Previously I was Speaking about Gender and LGBT um, I'm quite uh, I can say Busy <laughs> With well, Personal e- Sexuality Exploration You know then mm-hmm. Yeah After I've discovered Oh who am I really are, mm. I decided it's time for me to learn what is patriarchy. Why, why is it people are so, the authority, the state is so busy policing people to their gender roles, you know? Mm. Why is it, this, the, why does the state want people to behave mm. in certain ways, yeah. that kind of thing? And, and
3: you, you were telling me a lot of the time these religious police have, yeah. have no warrants. Yeah. And so it's so important, the moral police, it's so important that they have... You know, activists like you around, you know, trans people and the lawyers, so that they can say, well, actually, they legally have no right to do this yeah, to you.
2: Yeah. No, I'm not really engaged with any LGBT uh, um, communities, but I, I am, because I'm still learning and I'm, I have some other commitments. Meaning, mm. LGBT's uh, uh, struggle is not the main priority of focus, but at the same time. It's uh, I'm always in solidarity with uh, mm. all of their struggles uh, because I have friends who are in the Justice for Sisters, uh, uh, an organization fighting for the rights of the transgender. Uh, yeah, when they they had functions were raided by the religious department or simply arrested on the street, this organization will provide uh, legal aid, legal assistance, mm. and to go through the court process. And uh, I'm also I also have a friend who's uh, in a group called Diversity. They always have talks and forums, and they go on the street as well. Like, for example, a uh, mass rally called Bersih uh, demanding for electoral reform, fair and mm. justice uh, electoral. And uh, they will be on the street carrying the rainbow flag and all the banners uh, asking for this uh, the... Uh, the the demand of the rally, uh, which is to, for, for fair and justice election. But the thing is, uh, we are, it, it can, I can say that we have a long way to go when it comes to uh, justice for uh, LGBT people because we, apart from the law, we have people who have homophobic kind of mentality. Or scared of the rainbow symbols, you know. Like <laughs> mm. if they see my friends with the rainbow pride flag on the in the rally, they will say they they, they were also accused, uh, being labeled as militants in the media, saying uh, there's a news I I was quite shocked to see after the rally after the, the end of the rally. I go online and saw the news. Oh, uh, LGBT, LGBT militants on the street. <laughs> I gave her a call. Look, <laughs> you are you are a militant. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "What can I do people call me that?" I said, "You should be proud, militant, yeah. you know." <laughs> but yeah, it's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We, we apart from um, policies that that is policing uh, the way people dress, and we also have uh, laws which uh, is meant to. Police, pe- how pe- uh, people's sexual behavior, mm. like you know, like oral sex or any other form of sex, is considered unnatural. You can get caught and charged uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, you can get detained and charged in court for uh, <laughs> your. It's very. It's supposed to be private and personal, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> the <laughs> fuck. <laughs> um, all right.
0: Green left radio. <laughs>
2: Have one internationally. <laughs>
0: okay. Um.
2: Shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, if I could just encourage everyone to um, for the last six minutes of the show, just, um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your language? Mid-range, course language is doable, but uh. No,
3: no, yeah. i right,
0: what, What's this one? I see a laptop. Is that you? Just got that for some lyrics? Yeah. I, I just. Uh,
1: I used to run a radio show also back oh, that's then. That's why I'm familiar with the <laughs> ethics. <laughs>
0: okay. Right, All right, uh, let's get another... Um, let's get some more protest music from ah, yeah. All
2: right. Here's a... A <laughs> song which after I learned to sing it, I have totally i mean it replaces the national anthem of i think every country is an anthem for the working class for the yeah. marginalized marginalized people and yeah <laughs>
4: kita menjadi rakyat ngedeka. Selagi nyawa dalam diri perjuangan takkan henti. Biar darah mengbasahi bumi menyeratakan takkan sekali. Perjuangan penghabisan bersatulah melalui. Internationale, pastikan berjaya. Perjuangan pun habisan melawan dan Internationale pastikan berjaya dan Internationale. Thank you.
0: word. All right. Shazni Bade from the Malaysian Socialist Party, the PSM, with the Malaysian version of the Internationale. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: The thing about this song is during the uh, uh, emergency period. Uh, of the the uprising uh, armed struggle armed struggle of the communist party of malaya at that time. so they have to go and do things uh, in an underground manner mm. subversive manner so one of the comrades he was he he was supposed to be in town and mm. um, uh, yeah for, for to to get in contact with the people and the agents in town so, you, you know, when you go underground, you can't simply go, hey, are you a commie? Are you a commie? <laughs> no, not, not good, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, what he did is he harmed the internationally. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh.
0: Alright, I'm sorry to cut you off. We just, we really have to go here. Yeah, sure. um Alright, so Shazni from the PSM, Merak from the PLM in, in. uh the Philippines, and Bronte from Socialist Alliance and Save SNS in Sydney. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yes, this has been Green Left Radio, and thank you very much thank for tuning are. in.
3: Have a good morning. Yeah.